thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. In today's podcast, we're discussing retail, why it is unique compared to other industries, and the particular challenges that are faced by the turnaround professional dealing with a retail case. Our guest is Alan Ruttman. Alan is president of Axis Consulting Group and a partner of the Financial Advisory Services Group of Zeifmans in Canada. He's provided turnaround management services to lenders, management and shareholders for more than 30 years. During this time, Alan has provided restructuring services to clients in industries as diverse as retail, real estate, hospitality and automotive. He's also provided companies with interim crisis management services while new executives are being sought. Alan has acted as CRO and COO for troubled manufacturers and has extensive experience in conducting viability analyses, feasibility studies and developing action plans and proposals. Alan Ruttman is a licensed insolvency trustee, certified turnaround professional and a doctor of jurisprudence. Hi, Alan. How are you? How's Toronto? <laughs> Thank you. It's raining as it has been for the last three or four days and will continue for the next couple of days. So we are hoping to have spring at some point. I thought you were going to say three or four years, that refrain. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's London. <laughs> yeah, that is here. Anyway, it's great to have you here to talk about retail because, I mean, you've written quite a lot on retail and it's and some of your articles are really interesting. I've really enjoyed them, actually. I mean, you see turnaround in retail as being quite unique and completely different to other sectors. So why is that? Why do you see it as being so different? Right. Well, firstly, I'd say that uh, retail uh, is a business-to-consumer related entity, as opposed to most businesses are business to business. Businesses, manufacturers, distributors, wholesalers, they're all selling into the business market and eventually to customers. Whereas retail, there's a direct focus from the uh, business to consumer. What makes that different, of course, as we know, is consumers have different demands and different perceptions on product uh, than businesses do. As a result of that, the market has to respond differently to consumers. I think anybody who's worked in a shop actually <laughs> that's quite yes. hard. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, 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 and people can be react very differently, as, as we all know, depending on how product is displayed, uh, how it's promoted, to how it's emphasized, and the market it, it's intended to fulfill. And uh, the retail industry in general the objective is to get as much out of a customer in terms of actual sales as possible. A number of different concepts are used with a view to, to achieve that. You know, we can go into that in a little more detail if, if that uh, is useful. But uh, in addition to that, branding is also very, very significant in that market. Uh, your brand is, is what you own and uh, if you lose your brand or your brand depreciates in value, then uh, it's going to impact 
your sales and it's going to, going to impact your customers. That's so true because branding obviously is my my area. So I, I know how important this is as an asset for a business. But I mean, if you look at the marketplace, the retail covers a huge tranche of different businesses. I mean, and so many millions of different products. How can you in, in your role um, treat them the same? I mean, surely they're, they're all very different, each retail business as well. Agree. There are many, many different retail business concepts, jewelry, clothing, electronics, food, entertainment, et cetera, et cetera, as well as there are many different points of sale in retail. You know, there can be storefront, mall outlets, warehousing, and online, of course, as well. But there is commonality. The commonality is, first of all, retail is focused on consumer base, as we mentioned. Consumer demand is what has made them successful in the past. Keeping and adding to that customer base is critical. Many retail concepts lose their popularity over time, where customer taste shifts, demographics change. Secondly, retail, unless it's online only, has commonality in locations that interact directly with customers. That factor results in the focus on driving sales from fixed locations. As a result, it grows and expands in locations that can be very profitable or they can be money losers. The other aspects of it is they all, by and large, will have things like gift certificates. They'll have things like layaways, other than in the food industry, which is can still have gift certificates, of course, and still have uh, coupons as well. Yes. But that's what makes, that's commonality in, in retail. So that focuses on driving sales uh, to the consumer, which is a general trend amongst retail and what makes them specific in commonality to each other. And the other aspect of it is, is they all interact with consumers by and large in, 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 in a multiplicity of locations as well. So those are the commonality that we find, although you're right, there are a lot of different, what you might call retail, all with different solutions. Well, it also sounds to me, incredibly complex going into one of these businesses because the, there's so many different bits so many different products right. but that's me is i mean that sounds like it's one of the reasons why they fail but you know in your view why do retail businesses fail there are many many reasons of course why retail businesses fail the top of mind to me is uh, rapid expansion without sufficient capital to fund it uh, when you open various locations, you know, you need to have the capital to invest in the inventory in those locations. Or if, or if you're in the, in the food business and you're not uh, in the franchise-related business, you know, you've got to provide inventories to those stores. Yeah. Uh, that is a significant factor. And it's all great when all those stores are profitable and producing money. And your banks are more than happy to, to finance it, but you can get easily over levered. And as a result of that, it's, it's, uh, that's one of the, the major factors in retail financial difficulty. Uh, a lot of the others can come off to that to some degree. <clears throat> so, for example, branding, as we talked about, uh, an entrepreneur creates a business uh, at, with a concept or several concepts, and that expands over time. Those concepts take off, uh, they open locations, and the process of opening locations, the concept itself, sometimes 
you know, wears out. Yeah. Sometimes that concept uh, is not as popular as it used to be. Um, you know, a good example of that is the file, recent filing of David's bridal. You know, the bridal business used to be very popular. People were getting married. Uh, they're not uh, as much demand these days uh, for uh, for bridal wear. And uh, as a result of that, uh, that business model has changed. And one needs to refocus that business to something a little different. Uh, one of the other factors, of course, is that a lot of successful businesses engaged in a number of different concepts and uh, opened a number of different stores, allied stores. Sometimes they could open like the Gap, three or four different type of stores uh, in the same mall. Yeah. Over time, there creates a, a set of difficult type of processes where you have to keep those businesses aligned separately. But on the other hand, you want to have economies of scales associated with, that, with those businesses. That can create confusion. That can create consumer confusion around what it is that you're selling. And uh, sometimes when the businesses try to consolidate, they can, for example, eliminate one store and try to use two or three different concepts in, in the remaining stores. And that creates confusion as well. So that's another factor that, uh, that, that, that can create some issues. You know, other factors, things like supply-related issues, you know. Um, well, particularly recently, I would think. Yeah, if, with the pandemic, there were supply-related issues. Uh, other factors are, you know, the the nature of the business uh, and the supply of product uh, went overseas. Yeah. With overseas suppliers, your planning stage extends significantly longer. You have to order well in advance. A lot of times you have to put up letters of credit but you don't actually get the merchandise uh, until uh, as much as six months after the LC is put up. Somebody has to finance that. Yeah. So the more you're going offshore to acquire product, it might be cheaper. Your profit margin may be higher, but you've got to come up with the the financing to be able to uh, to be able to achieve that. Those are a few of the factors which can lead to uh, some difficulty. In a company, you, you know, you can have unprofitable stores as well. Companies don't pay close enough attention uh, as retailers to stores which are doing well and stores which are not doing as well as they, they should be. Product lines as well. You can have product lines which are highly profitable. You can have other product lines that are uh, are not as profitable. And if you're not paying much attention to that, when you start to get into financial difficulty, there is not a lot of time yeah. for you to experiment with uh, test marketing new products, with cutting back on uh, on a number of expenditures that uh, that uh, are impacted by uh, by not having uh, sufficient resources to invest in them. But those kinds of things uh, are can create the lead to demise. Yeah, and I mean that the lead times for a lot of retail. Um, I know from having experience with packaging, you can be doing the Easter eggs the summer before the following Easter. So right. it, you haven't got when you've got those kind of lead times for products. It, it must be very difficult to suddenly change right. very quickly, mustn't it? Exactly as you said. That's right. It's 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 very difficult. There are long lead times. You know, particularly in, in the fashion industry. I mean, if you're selling fashion, yes, of course. You know, there are long lead times to use product developers to come up with uh, new concepts. 
So I guess a lot of this is about them having good management information, financial management information on an ongoing basis as well. And I expect, I bet they don't. <laughs> no, they, generally they don't because uh, the the nature of retail is that it's top line focused as opposed to bottom line focused. So, you know, you'll get concepts such as uh, conversion. Sorry, how many customers will buy during their visit to the store as opposed to leaving? Um, and you have other concepts uh, such as um, beyond that, uh, average dollar sales or units per transaction. These are like the KPIs that they like to use in the industry. Yeah. Uh, and um, <clears throat> they view a, a, a consumer essentially as, you can, as much as you can get out of any particular customer walks in the store in terms of those terms. Yeah, I think my kids actually see me in that way as well. <laughs> so, walking wallet, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and it's, it's because it's top line focused. I've been into some um, retailers uh, and you'll ask them, oh, what's your bottom line? And they'll t- talk about turnover, you know, and, and how much product they sold at the last promotion. I said, well, that's all great, but what was your profit margin uh, on the product? And uh, not a clue. No, they don't know what the difference. The mindset was, was was different with a retailer and their focus. And it would be, you know, when you look at a business-to-business type industry where they're focused on, okay, well, what's our what's our bottom line on on the on these product sales? So that that is the focus. The old salesman's line, right, where. I dropped my price, but we'll make it up in volume. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds like a mammoth job. I mean, all the different issues you've covered. So you, you're standing there on day one. And where on earth do you start when you've got a failing retail business? What, Where do you focus on first? Well, the question I, uh, you know, that you've got to start is the, the, the as you pointed out, the reliability of the information that is in the business what type of information do they have uh, and how reliable is it i mean have they broken down profit by store have they looked at it and said okay well this store has so much volume these are the expenses in the store this is the labor cost in the store this is this is what drives it towards head office overhead or towards head office profit you know, if you have that type of information, that's that type of information you're going to look at and determine where the weak stores are and can they do they need to be eliminated? You know, can you negotiate rent reductions? Are there other factors that you can do with it? If you've got that type of information, it's very helpful. Similarly, by product skew, uh, it's it's very important to understand what the profit is on a uh, individual's product segments that you're selling. You know, what are the best sellers? What are not the best sellers? What are the ones that you can possibly eliminate in because they don't produce enough profit? Those are other factors to look at uh, as well. You've got to look at the uh, speak with the staff. You know, how is the morale uh, at, at at the head office as well as at the store level? You know, are they uh, are they selling as much as they could, or are there issues relating to the management and the management uh, labor type or sales staff type relations 
that are currently taking place, which could obviously could have a significant impact. Yes, you often see that, don't you? This can also come back to the way that the management's working in the situation, because obviously you've got all these management layers that occur in retail and and you're coming in, which is going to be unsettling for them as well. So I guess there's, there's two issues, aren't there? How they're looking after the staff below them and whether they're giving them the right messages in the situation, whether they even know the right messages when you first come in, which they probably don't. And secondly, uh, you know, is it their fault? Because, I, you know, it must be really awful if a business goes under you must be sitting there as you know on the management team thinking what did I do wrong and it's going to cost my job it's going to cost other people's jobs you know do do you blame them what happens to the management well uh it all depends on your relationship with and the the company's relationship with its lenders right I mean it's the lenders to some degree will dictate uh what confidence they have in the management team uh, lenders will want a turnaround manager in place, but they will also want uh, an experienced team that can help turn the company around. And do they have confidence in the existing management, you know, or an existing manager like deer in the headlights that they really just don't have a sense of how to function in times of changing economy? You know, you've got... Uh, sales managers or executives who uh, were trained under growth periods uh, and very profitable and they didn't have to perform under crisis yeah Uh, people who can't perform well in crisis situations are not going to be survivors you know you have to adapt you have to change you have to look at your product lines you have to look at your type of operation you don't have a lot of time, as I've said, to test new products. You, you know, you you have to react to essentially control cash and concentrate on what products are producing uh, the greatest profit. Do you have a core product line at that point in time? And that's important to be able to analyze in conjunction with with the management. Do, do they have a product that is going to, you know, they can fall back on, which is a, a profitable product? Sure, they may have expanded, they may have added products which were trendy and perhaps not so fashionable and perhaps, you know, they've outlived their usefulness uh, or, you know, uh, food-related recipes have gone into their local restaurants that are not very popular anymore and need to be replaced. But you need to focus on essentially what it is that uh, made you profitable, made your growth business and understand whether that core business is still there and can be continue and perhaps added to, but at least you've got a core business that can generate profitability. If you don't have a core business, uh, like you know, some of the examples I've used in the past, like Mergo Round, et cetera, you just can't at that point, you don't have the luxury of time to go out and hire a bunch of consultants who are going to reinvent your stores. Mm-hmm. So that you've got uh, all of a sudden an entirely new product line yeah. uh, that you can function on. You know, you, you've got to have something that will keep you going while that takes place. So uh, a long-winded response, but at the end of the day, you have to assess the management team. Are they capable of functioning under that type of crisis? And do they have the sufficient experience to know how to deal with uh, short-term exigencies uh, which need to be you know, traverse to get to the other side. 
No, it's it's interesting. And what you're saying about um, recognising cool products that are actually um, successful, because I suppose if they're not very good on the management information, sometimes they won't even know which their most successful product is because they're not really aware of the right. the um, profit around it. So I guess you can't even trust them, <laughs> trust what they're telling you. I suppose when you go in. Exactly. But I mean, you've got you've you've got other issues as well because you mentioned at the start so when you go into most insolvency situations or turnaround situations you've got the business creditors that everybody's used to dealing with but with retail you've got all these customers that as you said have got gift certificates and I had it with an order of ages ago of a book an online book um retailer that went out of business and it it took weeks and weeks to get my order which I'd wanted for a birthday present but I just remember sort of constantly ringing and going through to some administrator somewhere and you know having been told it was going to be a bit longer yet so I mean how how do you deal with people like me who are anxious about our present? Right I can recall a situation many many years ago where we had a department store chain which uh became insolvent and uh, one of their big features uh, and I keep going back to this was a uh, was a bridal salon yeah and had all of these brides with stores that were shut trying to determine what is going to happen with their their bridal wear oh you know? no that's dreadful <laughs> oh no you know I hadn't thought of it from yeah. that point of view that's yeah. terrible <clears throat> You know, you've got a, you know, you've got, as a turnaround manager, you're kind of caught between an industry, which basically says the consumer is king. And, you know, you're going to take back everything uh, that consumers don't want, even if your suppliers won't take it back. And you're you're going to uh, give whatever, you know, satisfaction people want. Uh, But you've got that as uh, as a industry personality and then you've got lenders and creditors on the other side who says i'm not funding this (laughs) (laughs) i'm not funding these ladies that you know to pick up their bridal gowns and finish them off you know maybe they should put them in a room with them see if they change their mind (laughs) yes yes the 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 wisdom and you know if you've got a business that uh has some prospect of being able to turn around you don't want to lose your loyal customer base and brides can be your very loyal customer base so you're going to accommodate them you're going to figure out a way of getting it done at the least possible cost when you can you know, maybe they'll have to pay a little bit of a premium in order to basically get get it finished off, but uh, you're going to do that. Same with gift certificates. I mean, you're likely going to, you know, honor gift certificates. Uh, hopefully the business will survive. And if it doesn't, then perhaps it can be sold and uh, the buyer will uh, will be uh, be prepared to take on the liability for the gift certificates or the, or the layaways. Uh, those are, these are things that, you know, your loyal customer base is, you know, very important to them. And uh, if you're going to maintain that customer loyalty, which is part of your brand, you know, and you've got to be able to put out a message. But communication is very important, both to staff and to your customers. But you're still open for business and uh, you're going through some issues, but uh, you're Hopefully that uh, you'll be able to sort them out and you need your customers to 
uh, invest in the brand and continue to buy and and with a view you're going to do something to to assist them in that process uh, but it, it's important to to keep that going by honoring those types of commitments so that the customer base um, will uh, continue to uh, to be there when you hopefully solve your issues and I, I guess the, the papers also get involved don't they with retail in a way that they don't so much with business to business um, because there's something that everybody knows about. So when a shop, a big retailer goes down, it tends to be sort of quite front page news or, you know, you're suddenly facing some quite serious publicity. So how, how do you handle that? Well, media, media just loves consumer related issues. Mm. That's their readership. And uh, they just love to do articles on, on the, on the consumer's, who are not getting the benefit of uh, of their investment in uh, buying product, whether it's houses, you know, uh, yeah. food products, or or other types of clothing yeah. products. It's always going to be an issue. So, communication is important. You might be in financial difficulty, but you've got to have that empathic type of response for consumers, and have a process where they can call up or file their complaints. Uh, a one eight hundred number is always helpful, <coughs> staffed for customers to basically be able to have their issues sorted out. And that goodwill, again, will will be helpful, mm. not only with customers, but with potential acquirers in trying to understand and doing due diligence on the brand, whether the brand is still solid and can count on that foot traffic that it's been, that it's been getting. Yeah, I can see that. So you're trying to keep everybody in place. It's such a juggling act. It's really fine, isn't it? And right. if we go back to earlier, because you were talking about the sort of ground floor staff, um, and you know, because you lose the customers, but you you don't have anybody to service the customers, even if you then manage to keep them. So you've got to keep the the ground floor staff motivated as well. So how on earth do you go about that? Well, there's a number of factors uh, that uh, are in play. Firstly, you know, retail, although it's it's suffered uh, financially, probably more than any other industry in the last number of years, there's high mobility in retail, uh, even more than all the other industries uh, that uh, that we're currently seeing taking place, gig workers and, and, and lots of other related industries that are, you know, changing jobs and, and working uh, independently. Retail is highly mobile, notwithstanding the fact that um, you, you find a fair bit of retail failure. I think um, I think one of the consulting firms was saying they expect over the last five years, 50,000 U.S. retail closures. Really? Wow. That's a significant amount. Uh, with all of that closure, sir, retailers like at, at the lower staff level, they always manage to find another job. And, and likewise, uh, managers, they're always in demand, uh, far more so than CEOs in, in the retail industry. Part of it is you got to keep your staff, you know, because you, your staff is mobile. They can move on and go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, including your store managers and your, um, your district sales managers and um, territory managers and everything else that you've got, purchasing managers and everything else. I mean, they, they can, they're mobile. So you, you want to speak with your staff, you want to keep them, you want to motivate them to believe that, uh, as you do, that the business is, you know, still viable and can be saved. 
uh, and uh, you have to have a plan for them uh, because they're, on, especially at the sales staff level, they're on the front line with consumers. If they're not interested in selling or their uh, morale related uh, problems uh, are, are on their face, I mean, the customers are not going to buy. Yeah. Uh, they're say, well, this is not, these people are not happy. Why would I buy here? Yeah, if they're standing there moaning and like complaining, the customers are going to come in and not get the right experience that goes with the brand. So you have a very complex situation. Sales techniques always require very positive, happy people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just to finish off, Alan, because this has been absolutely fascinating. I've really enjoyed talking to you about this. Could you just give everybody listening your top three tips if you go into a retail what are the top key things that you think they should remember or or deal with the first one is uh, is uh certainly management information systems you have to ensure that you have very reliable information uh, a lot of you know data analytics that provide you with uh information you need i mentioned the kpis but that's important for in a retail related business yep. so you have to be on top of uh of those uh, related type of stats that uh, that you've got to keep, because online is, is 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 so prominent these days, you have to have a nice balance between your online sales and your brick and mortar sales. Yeah, you know you can't have one, and most retailers know this. You can't have one without the other. You need to have both. You know, customers are looking for the opportunities uh to not only buy online but they want to see the products physically visibly and to do so you've got to have brick and mortar uh, so that's important as well in the industry to have that uh, the other some of the besides having uh reliable information having uh that that balanced relationship you've also have to have obviously a good brand of product i mean you've had that product that customers want and you have to constantly refresh your product and you want to keep close to your core product. You don't want to kind of reinvent the wheel with something you, you have no experience with. Many retailers have difficulty when they take an entirely new product line that they don't have any familiarity with and that, you know, they'll stumble on that. So that's, that's a factor as well. And if you're, you know, got a lot of brick and mortar locations, be careful with those locations. Be careful with the demographics and locate locations. Check the foot traffic. Try to understand when you've got stores that aren't performing as well, what the issues are and whether the demographics are such that uh, your product no longer meets the demand in that area. And maybe you should be exiting that particular location. And having a management team that's always on top of trends as well. That's important. Absolutely. Alan, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to me today. And I'm sure everybody will really find this very useful information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. 
You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an industry applies to your own situation.